Welcome back to the show. We got a we need a we need a title for this thing. Um and again, I think we should have our legions of fans. A, a Justice vote Legion on a name. Yeah, for a sure. Justice Legion. Of and that'll fans. that'll be a thing. E- either way, we want to welcome everyone back who's listening um to this journey that we're taking through the Super Friends uh cartoon series from the 1960s it has been quite a journey 70s. seven the 70s uh yeah it was no yeah i guess animation didn't really get kicked in until uh the 70s that's when they started making all these cheap looking cartoons well the filmation like superman and aquaman cartoons were in the 60s and these sort that's of right continued the that yeah uh either way that's irrelevant um either way yeah. uh this has been quite the bumpy road there's been parts of this show that i love there's been parts of this show that i hated there's been parts of this show that have been baffling and i'm not just talking about the baffle which was a character not just talking about that a lot of it's been baffling even even for a kid's show even for for children's uh, this is not for adults this is not we're not the demos for children, but even if I was a child, there would be things that I would say, mm, what? Yeah. I have to say that this episode we're going to talk about today is the culmination of all those things. Uh, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's been the most, uh, violently moving one that, uh, I have seen. It's got dystopian implications. Um, it is, uh, it, it plunges the, political center of the show into even murkier water than there was before. Uh, I can't tell. This this belongs in the Library of Congress <laughs> as a significant work because of everything going on in it. Absolutely. In addition to the normal uh, continuity errors, animation problems, uh, there's this whole philosophical issue um that's uh that's that's factored in there um so yeah let's let's jump right into it so this is super friends season one episode three professor goodfellows geek absolutely if you'd like to if you'd like to give the recap sure so the the basic premise here is professor goodfellow without telling anyone he's going to do this activates this computer that controls all machines and eliminates the need for human beings to do work. And he's like, I, I, this is a gift for humanity. I think everyone should be able to just take a break and kick back. And the super friends, particularly Wendy, I feel, end up being against this. They end up being on the side of work for work's sake which is a weird place for them to end up or really a weird place for them to start but but alas but alas after they say hey look he he tries to sell it to the government and say or he tries to give it to the government and he says hey look i'm just giving you this perfect mechanical system uh and and you you're you're correct wendy and the president uh of the planet Say, no, we do not want this. And so he goes, but you know what? It's not illegal for me to just offer it to people who, um, who just want it. 
and we'll just make a decision. People who want it can live the automated life, and people who don't want it can uh, can um, uh, live the normal life, and uh, yeah. we'll just live in harmony. And we've decided to do that, uh, and so it everything seemingly is um, is going great. Yeah, but then the problems start. Yes. So going back to the beginning here, we see different machines operating on their own. There's a brave pilot who is supposed to be testing in an experimental plane, except it does its test by itself. On its own. On its own. And then you see Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog watching Trouble Earth oh. videos of other machines doing this. That is that is true. You see Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog watching the Trouble Earth. But there is another person there. There is some random gray-haired, bespectacled dude in yeah. the Hall of Justice that they don't mention for uh, a long while. And we're just, just hanging out. We're just watching this gray-haired weirdo hang out with these kids. The narration doesn't mention it. Uh, that probably is the first moment in this episode that I was like, ah, this is going to be different than the other ones. <laughs> just... So it turns out he's there to hire the Justice League on behalf of the government, like to you look do. into like you do, you have to give issues. them money. You have to give them some money. Yeah, they. I mean, they have a they have a very complex billing structure. I imagine. Yeah. For just investigating is one rate. Investigating and fixing that's got to be another one, right? That, yeah, they'll give a quote. That's an added fee. The um, Justice League have a very complicated system of billing. Which is why this man named Mr. Huggins is uh, there to hire them on behalf of the government of what country? I don't know if we specify. Uh, and I, um, I, We can only assume the United States, but they do not actually say, I, believe, no. I don't think. Again, you know, in the past we've wondered if this is a new world government because apparently they have one power grid. So, um, yeah. really, we don't, we don't know for that sure. Could be. At one point during this scene, Batman tells Wendy Marvin and Wonder Dog to stay out of trouble. Marvin then says, trouble is my business, and I think just runs into the wall. <laughs> sure. There's this weird moment where he runs off screen, you hear a crash, and he's on the floor next to the wall. Sure. I don't know what he was trying to do, but we, we have that is what happened. We have established that. He needs assistance to go through life. And yeah. really, it's irresponsible for them to have him involved in this at this point. But we'll learn, we'll learn more about his learning uh, later. So um, yes. I just want to point out, when I first saw Huggins, I thought he was Mike Pence um, with glasses. Mike Pence with glasses. That's what he looks like. But as you said... They investigate. They see what's going on. Nothing's really a problem yet. It's just kind of surprising. Yeah. Uh, until the first thing Batman and Robin go to check out is a self-driving forklift, which feels very low stakes for them to be looking into. They're the fucking Justice League. Yeah, this is get hire a detective to go do that. All right, a private detective. Yeah. you don't need the world's most powerful being. Get. I mean. Aquaman can do it, 
But we don't need the world's... Superman does not need to be wasting his time doing that. No. But uh, either way, as you said, um, the the Batman, he says, uh, all right, so um, let's go. And uh, Wendy and Marvin and Wonder Dog, you stay out of trouble. But guess what? Trouble finds them. It does. Because the Batmobile starts driving itself. Oh, wait a second. Am I skipping? Are they in the Batmobile when the Batmobile starts driving itself? I think so, because they go to check out the drive, self-driving forklift, but the Batmobile starts driving in itself, then Superman joins them, and instead of taking them to the forklift, he's like, well, let's just see where it takes us, and that's where we first meet the giant robot guard. But I don't think Wendy is with them, right, when that happens? No, no. They get, they get, their, own, they get their own ride. My God, this this scene, <laughs> Professor Goodfellow's Funmobile <laughs> is a self-driving van that is called Professor Goodfellow's Funmobile <laughs> that says to them, don't be afraid, it's perfectly safe, which could there be a bigger red flag than all of those things in concert? Yeah, um, it's. That that was the first point that I was like, "Wow, this is um different." Now I don't know what the whole stranger danger um position was back in the seventies. I would assume that that was they were you know aware that you you don't go in strangers' vans, but I didn't I didn't know if that was like an if it was like an official like PSA that they had if they were trying to make a statement. I think honestly, so what what happens is that this mysterious van tries to to lure children into it. I was shocked that they didn't get in. And frankly, I, that is true. I was that is, certain they were going to get in. That is against, uh, definitely against Marvin's character, and maybe Wendy is the one that. May, I can't remember if Marvin was game to jump in the. I don't think either of them were, which again is a huge surprise, because I think. I think at some point the van says we have candy and everything you like inside. And everything. Everything about it yeah. says this van is going to take you somewhere to die. But he- here is my favorite part of this. In any other media, this there would be a lesson that where y- you'd say, oh, here's this uh, van that has candy and video games specifically for children. Why don't you come in? And the lesson would be, hey, it's a good thing not to get in that van. What we learn is that that van would have been perfectly fine. In fact, yeah. <laughs> they they follow it in their bikes. <laughs> they follow it in their bikes and Which, arrive. Also, not great. Kids, if someone tries to get you to go into their van, say no, <laughs> but then don't follow them but on go, bike. Like, you know what? I'm going to follow on my bike and get to the bottom of this. But either way, this van arrives at the factory and they go, oh, well, we're, we're, we've arrived, arrived safely. It turns out that had we entered this van, we would have just had a real great wholesome time. That was fine. That was the Always lesson. get in the van. That was the lesson of... What was it called? Mr. Goodfellow's Funtime Van or something? Mr. Uh, sorry. 
Professor Goodfellow's Funmobile. But I, <laughs> I guess can't, here's another... I can't hear the name. <laughs> I couldn't... Here's a... Look, I do a lot of uh, managing of improv comedy. I couldn't come up with a more predatory sounding name. Like, no, no. There's never been a more predatory sounding name than that. I, I have to wonder, are Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog famous? I know they hang out with the Justice League, but are they famous? Because mostly they seem just like regular teenagers who don't have any sort of world following. But it's weird to me, innocuous or not, that Professor Goodfellow sent this van for them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He did his research uh, that no one ever mentions them. He specifically sought them out and and sent them a special child-oriented van to yeah, pick them up. That's it, fucked per, up. Professor Goodfellow has them in mind. They, they, are, yeah. they are on the forefront of Goodfellow's mind. And that, you know, it's that begins the question, is Goodfellow a good fellow? It's in his name, but uh, what about his actions? So, uh, Creepy Van... They arrive, everyone finally arrives at this automated um, factory run by enormous robots. And uh, as you said, we learn that Professor Goodfellow owns, uh, is it a corporation or a a machine called Geek? I think the, the whole system is called Geek. We never learn how he's managed to finance this entire operation. No, we we do not. He's uh, he he's almost undoubtedly stealing uh, to to do that. Yeah, he must be. Uh, he he's a criminal, but they're not concerned. They're more. Everyone's more concerned with um, the way things work. And I think at this point, Superman is the only person that voices the strongest concern. I mean, he he voices the the most major concern about people not working for a living, right? Yeah, which is again. I, I, I'm gonna give away my feelings about this episode. I guess a little bit right now. This machine sounds awesome. I am on board <laughs> for a machine doing all the work we don't want to do. Sure, sounds great. And basically, this is this is the world of Star Trek where you yeah. just do things that interest you. And you don't have to worry about doing meaningless menial labor. It's it's post scarcity. It's post scarcity. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it sounds ve- great to me. It's very fascinating uh, in that this is the first time that I've heard Superman give full on uh, Republican views of yeah, because historically, or at least and through much of his publication history, uh, he's kind of been all over the political spectrum in terms of how they how publishing has worked but generally kind of a lefty superhero that's those are his origins he's an immigrant journalist he tends from kansas so yeah but particularly uh in the golden age a lefty superhero he's taking on mine companies and corrupt politicians and, and, and and he's not trying to charge people usually for his services yeah. He's donating his time and efforts because he can, because he has the resources, 
And that is that doesn't fly with the current counter Republican viewpoint. Yeah. And I gotta say, know, demographically, the most conservative of the group should be Batman. Correct. He should be the most hey, I need people working in my factories. Yeah. Uh but they they certainly haven't gotten into it yet. He the, but but what he basically reiterates is that if people don't have to work they become soft and um, stupid. And yeah. who wants to be soft and stupid? Not Superman. He doesn't want anyone soft and stupid. Because what if the Russians attack? It's true. And we're all soft and stupid. I really... It's fascinating to me that no one in this world seems to even have hobbies or interests. Sure. Um, well, they... Uh, pool playing pool and wrestling with children yeah but that is before the geek you don't see them doing that this episode posits the idea that no one wants to do anything ever yeah that that this is a this is a world beset it seems by crippling depression there are there are two there are two options you either work 60 hours a week doing backbreaking unnecessary labor or biblical sloth. Those that are the two it. those are your <laughs> only options. Those are the two things that the world can be. Uh I one of the quotes from Professor Goodville. There are a few uh really uh glaring bits of of misogyny throughout oh, sure. this series but in this episode uh, uh Professor Goodfellow when he shows them the geek, says, everybody deserves a rest. Even housewives. Oh, sure. I mean, I have that one as a note, too, because that was the first that was the first one that popped out to me that was like, oh, this is the most overt sexism, misogyny uh, up to this yeah. point. It, the, the, this, this was the moment that kind of jostled me. What I think is interesting is the the way that he made a specific point to put to to say that indicates to me that the this whole operation is probably tied into his personal philosophy on women. I don't know what inspired him, but the fact that he would make mention of that that to me is like, oh yeah, this is there's something else psychologically going on here in his relationship. Here's my thought then. If if that's his motivation he is so against women having careers that he would rather no one have no one. Yeah, it infuriates him seeing women working. So he says, you know what, let's just do away with any kind of career. That seems like it's the most likely uh, theory so far. Again, where is he getting all these research resources? This thing is insidious from the start. And they are asking no questions. They are not asking no where did you get all this metal to build um, these robots? How did no one notice you putting this together in this giant warehouse office park yeah. place? Agriculturally, how are you able to create food out of nowhere with no resources? With no, uh, with, you know, how are you taking command of renewable and unrenewable resources? This episode employs uh, a method that I personally love in cartoons, and it's happened in cartoons throughout the ages, 
which is the the whiz kid factor where yeah if someone is a nerd or a geek or a whiz kid they uh have unlimited knowledge of the universe uh with no oh, yeah. if if they're a whiz kid they know how to do open heart surgery they know how a nuclear weapon a uh, nuclear warhead works they know how to build a submarine they're a whiz kid they're a geek yeah it's just like anyone with doctor in front of their name in this type of universe is every kind of doctor. They're, they're all the doctors, and we can ask them anything, and they'll know something, even if they're a doctor of musicology. Yeah. So, uh, after he says, even housewives, uh, they, <laughs> they go on to say, men don't have to go to work, and women don't have to go shopping. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember if that was at the same time, but yeah. It was soon after. That was Wendy. That was Wendy who said that part. (laughs) Wendy's... She has internalized Professor Goodfellow's misogyny. I I think Wendy's a Fox News contributor. She probably goes on there and talks about how liberals don't put on makeup. Has to be. That, and at that point, they make the, they make the determination this will be for the people who want it, not for the people who don't. They go, all right, this seems like a good idea, but we're not sure. Although, they, they, I will say, I do agree with the Super Friends for pointing out, something could probably go wrong with this, right? And Goodfellow's like, no, it's impossible. He this says, machine is perfect. Nothing can go wrong. He says, absolutely not. I'm a geek, and this is, uh, it, it's in the name geek. It's infallible. And get out of here. And of course, his his demeanor doesn't change at all. He is so pleased with himself. Too too pleased. But, uh, so, this is now when the problems start. Yeah. Things, things start going a little haywire. Everyone is immediately lazy. Batman and Robin give Wendy a ride to Marvin's house. And they ask why she isn't in school. And she says, the school is closed because... No one is there to go because everyone is learning via geek. But Wendy is not a geek subscriber. She does not use this, but she's also not in school. She is effectively a high school dropout throughout this episode. Well, but that's the point. What they said was it's not sustainable to have two different Americas. You can't you can't have the automated America and the hardworking America. Uh, it doesn't work. Everyone has to be in the hardworking America for America to exist. Because yeah. since the lazy people took over, the hardworking people can only do so much and they can't afford to open up a school. So that's, true. that's another reason why you sh- you should not vote for uh, who was the Democratic uh, candidate in the 70s. I can't, I can't Jimmy think of Carter. any. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't vote for Jimmy Carter. Because uh, this will happen. Life is not meant to be enjoyed. No. Endless toil and then death. That's yeah. what life is for. And sin uh, that you keep quiet. Abortions that you pay for under the radar. Yep. Uh, and then you go to church. I'm surprised no one's been to church. But Wendy, Wendy uh, she, so she go, they go to visit Marvin, who is... Um, Sitting, is he, and he's, is he watching class? No, he is, he is between classes. He's just in a hammock 
mowing the lawn, but the lawnmower is automatic. Uh, and, it, and that's preposterous, because it's the kind that's red and has just a bunch of spinning blades. Yeah, yeah. It's not a me- it is it is not a mechanical it does not have an engine. So I don't see how Geek could have any control over it. It even that doesn't make sense. Like I were computers around at this point? They had to be. Yeah, they were. They were like the big the big kind that take up a whole room. Personal oh, computer, I don't think. That's the that's yet. the other thing that I thought was great, which was uh, Professor Goodfellow frames this as the biggest computer in the world, right? He calls it, he's he's gifting them the biggest computer. I just, that's such a fun thing to think about back then. The idea that the bigger the computer, the more elaborate it was able to. The, yeah. But before they go in to find Marvin, Wendy and Robin fat shame Slim, the guy who runs the gas station. Oh, yes, I wrote Slim, and I couldn't remember why. There's a person named Slim, and <laughs> so... And Wendy and Robin fat shame him. They they, they go to a uh, gas station, and uh, it's called Slim's, and they they see uh, a overweight person, and... Yes, they both they both make a comment about, well, he doesn't look slim anymore. He needs to go on a diet. Yeah, and this goes on for a mate like more than one line. They yeah. make a point to show how fat he's getting, which I think is uh, it's very interesting to see to see that. Uh, I'm I forget that I'm living in 2021. Throughout the episode. Wendy in particular seems very... Wendy and Robin both seem very concerned about everyone's physical fitness. They do. And it's like, hey, worry about yourselves. Yeah. Do you You think... You don't need to be the body police. Do you think Wendy and Robin, like, there's something there? I mean, probably. I think it's one of those things where they both hate each other and are sexually attracted to each other. Yeah, I think that's probably true. A really tempestuous kind of relationship. Uh, so they they find him after they after they shame this guy who's just trying to run a gas station. He hasn't even been a part of the geek. He's still running a gas station. He's just he's just living his life uh, and uh, trying his best to support people. And they uh, are cruel to him. Uh, and and then they go to find Marvin's house. Does Marvin live with parents, or does Marvin just live in a home? In this episode, he has a mom, because he calls out to her and she answers back. Spoiler alert for the next episode, I'm not sure how involved his parents parents. are. There's something there. They, uh, they, um, I don't know what the deal is. They're not the most responsible parents. No. But anyway, we also learn... I guess we do learn here... That Wonder Dog is Marvin's dog. That is true. And I was about to say that. This is a game changer because up until this point, I assumed that the three of them were just independent, living their own lives. Yeah. We have now learned in shaggy Scooby fashion that Wonder Dog does in fact live with Marvin. Which is, I mean, I I know that sounds like... I know that sounds like nothing, but that was a big thing for me that I was like, oh, finally, this is uh, explained. The lawnmower tries to kill Wonder Dog. That, that it does. And they don't even notice it. 
no one really notices that the lawnmower is trying to eviscerate the dog. So they leave to go on a walk after the lawnmower tries to kill him to try to to try to help help uh, Marvin be less fat. Yeah, because that's the worst. The worst thing that can happen to a person is to be fat. Yeah, that is what this episode really. Because if you're fat, you're also uh, mentally dull. Yes. Those things go hand in hand. <laughs> now, do they go back to the fact? Yeah, they go back to the factory, right? Because they, for some reason, they go, um, oh, maybe not the kids. But, oh, no, they do go back, right? So, first, we see a couple of instances where it looks like the geek is going, like things are going wrong, but then it works the way it's supposed to. Okay. And,. The super friends seem disappointed that it's working. Yeah, well, all right, so they're paranoid. They're like, hey, this is working too well. Yeah. Yeah. And Wendy, again, complains about how lazy everyone is. And the super friends all agree with her. Yeah, they they agree. They say, this isn't the America that we grew up in. Uh, Yeah. Everyone's lazy. No one's joining the military. Uh, We have, you know. There's something uh, up. There's something uh, the matter. So do, do they people contact- aren't working constantly? They can't see that capitalism is bad. Is bad because the moment they go, oh, maybe this is an uh, a bad system. I I don't remember if they reach back out to Goodfellow, but I do know they that do because Goodf- he brags about it, and Superman points out pretty basic security concerns. Like you were controlling everything from one spot. This could very easily go wrong. And then Goodfellow goes, "You're wrong. Um, come, come check it out." And he he specifies and bring your young friends. He yeah. said, "Bring those young friends. I want to see them again. Nothing weird, but uh, <laughs> uh, they didn't hey, fall. They didn't fall for the safe. van. They didn't fall for the van. If you can bring them along, because he wants another shot. I'm gonna show off by making a sandwich and then giving them ice cream sodas." Is root beer float, do you think, maybe a trademarked term, and that's why he says ice cream soda instead of root beer float? I don't know. Also, uh, have you ever had a cheat? So he has the geek make himself a, make him a sandwich. Um, have you ever had a cheese sandwich, just cheese? As like a child, an adult having a regular non-grilled plain cheese sandwich feels strange. I've not heard of that. If uh, if any fans of this show, uh, if any listeners have a- ever just had a cheese sandwich, let me know. I'm not saying that it's um, wrong, uh, but I've never uh, I've never had just a cheese sandwich. Also, the cheese sandwich that he has the computer make squirts on some kind of brown substance, and I'm assuming it's mustard, but I we cannot confirm that. No, I mean it could be chocolate sauce. We just we don't. don't know. Either way, they're back at the they're back at the place. He has himself a good cheese sandwich. They're exploring the place and he's giving them an inside look on how the the robot actually works and we learn it's self-sustaining. Whenever a light bulb uh a fuse before it goes out, the robot does preventative maintenance and replaces it. And he further explains, look, I've ex- I've uh I've done everything that there needs to be um, done. This is the greatest invention in history. This is 
This is a machine. It, it's a that what it is. It's, it's a system. He's created. He's created an infrastructure. Yeah, he, it's it's uh you know uh impossible really. He in, he's invented artificial intelligence essentially, uh, and they are still somewhat unconvinced. Uh, but you know they say, hey, all right, you seem to have this under control. Wendy is disappointed. She wants people to uh, be less fat, and they uh, they leave. Yep. But guess what? Something stays behind, and that something is a goddamn cheese sandwich. Goddamn cheese and sandwich. And who effing loves cheese sandwiches? I, I love grilled cheese sandwiches. I, that's me. But sure. Besides me, who in the cartoon world? loves cheese. And that's a goddamn mouse. Goddamn mouse. Who one, have you have you ever had rodents in your dwelling? Have you ever had mice? Uh, uh yes. A- as a pet and a pest. So I've only had them as a as a pest, never as a pet. When you have mice, they tell you if you see if you see one there are probably like ten more. Right. You never have a mouse. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's not Yet, one mouse. There's not just one mouse. But here, there is just one. What uh what we've learned essentially by that logic is that there are thousands of mice throughout this uh throughout this machine. Just waiting, there must be. just waiting for an unsealed piece of cheese to make its way into a control panel. Also, what at what size does the security system stop paying attention to something? Because Wonder Dog, again, is almost killed by the security robots. Maybe it... Alright, so the robots didn't... So... so di- may, the robots didn't recognize him... Just like they didn't recognize the mouse, so maybe it's animals. Maybe it uh, it's it doesn't view them it, since they're not humans. It doesn't view them as uh, beings. Which I feel like the security system should be especially attuned to animals, because in my experience, if there's one thing you cannot trust, it is animals. Well. Also, the there's the fact that um, it's using animals. There's there's a, there's a um, uh, somewhere to make that cheese sandwich. There is a cow that is being held by robots, milking it, uh, and creating cheese. So, I mean, really, there this is th- an... no. Go ahead. Yeah, this thing is enslaving or eradicating animals that it feels it doesn't need uh there are geek slaughterhouses yeah i hadn't really thought about this before there are geek slaughterhouses indeed uh and we don't know if that's just for just for animals uh or if he has plans the extent of this system is chilling it is um uh, you know what he makes the uh, professor goodfellow makes the baffle uh whose whose um goal was to reset the world by making everyone forget all of recorded history he makes yeah. him look 
uh, kind of innocuous. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's, you know, comparatively not a huge deal. And it's it's quite scary. But soon his soon his tower of uh, lies and communistic deception will fall. Because yeah. the best the best laid plans of mice and men uh are I don't I I can't, mice. I can't think of a way to make that clever. Uh mouse fucks uh the mouse fucks everything up. Yeah. So with our first real sign that things are messing up. Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog are outside. <clears throat> Marvin's math class starts to glitch. So they check out other channels to see if th- what's what's going on. Now let me say this: this part genuinely made me laugh. I genuinely, I genuinely laughed at this gag. So, I I have an issue with it that I am certain most people watching it do not. So there's there's a country singer, there's a country channel and an opera channel, and they have flip flopped their sound. Right. The country singer is singing uh, La Donna Immobile, which is from Verdi. That is, that is from Rigoletto. That's Verdi. Go back and singing country is Brunhilde from Wagner's Ringside. All right. Now listen. Now listen. So even if they don't switch, it's already wrong. Now listen. Number one, there can be multiple... Um, Opera channels. Maybe there's opera channel one, two, and three. And number two, maybe the show that's on was just a collection of different excerpts from different operas, okay? It's possible it and also there's a mouse making things go haywire. So I do think it would be I think a funnier joke is if it is the wrong opera coming out of the wrong opera character, and Marvin is the one who points that out. Wait, what does he say? So if if Mar, if, I think a funnier joke. Oh, the joke is, is that Marvin. Uh, if a Wagnerian singer is singing Verdi, and Marvin is the one who points that out. I mean, that would be a solid joke, but it's definitely one that uh, if a kid got it, there'd be something wrong with that kid. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, so if this was an adult show, uh, which it is a little bit, uh, we've learned, uh, then I would support that. But I'm going to have to reject your joke. And, and I'm going to have to say the joke as it is worked pretty well. Cause I did laugh. I did laugh at the part where, uh, at the pretend, uh, country song that they came up with. I thought it was yeah. kind of funny. During this sequence, Wendy says what I think is supposed to be discombobulated. No. But she says discombobulated. Indeed she does. Uh, and in my notes, I have it written as such. Discombobulated. I do too. Uh, discombobulated. Shor- shor- shortly thereafter, uh, she uses a term that, frankly, I'm confused uh, that it took this long to incorporate, which is a, a robot. Um, they- <laughs> They they full on called uh, R O B O T. They called that robot. Robot. Yep. They sure do. The, this is when they they can tell things are things are uh, not going well, and they decide to go back to the uh, 
to the the place to the geek system for the third time. Yeah. In a taxi, which they know to be controlled by the geek, and they know the geek to be out of control. What happened to their so, bikes? What happened to the bikes that they used? Oh, I guess the bikes are controlled too? Yeah, I don't know what the rules are here. No. It's it's madness. It's anarchy. Because I don't know how the geek is taking control of anything in a world that is not Wi-Fi enabled. Hey, and guess what? Guess what? The kind of madness and chaos that they were experiencing in this episode, that's what we'll be experiencing if everyone gets healthcare. If everyone... If that's everyone the gets- world Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants. If everyone is able to see a doctor regularly, the next step is going to be the geek system. So there's no point do even- you Do you want an out-of-control driverless taxi cab? Is that what you to, want? To, to endanger your children? And for your children to be fat? Do you want... Because that's what Medicare for All is going to do. <laughs> do you want this out-of-control taxi to endanger your fat children? Uh, so anyway, they go back. Uh, they know there's a problem. They're trying to get in. And there's there's several different teams. The super yeah. the super interns are trying to get in. And the... Uh, is Superman trying to get in? Why can't Superman get in? Superman's doing other stuff. So, let's see. Oh, so the mouse is continuing to fuck shit up inside the geek. Superman stops an errant uh, errant wrecking balls from not... I don't know why there are so many wrecking balls just out, but there are, and they're swinging all over the place, so Superman is stopping those. I think the geek... And then Aquaman saves an oil tanker with the help of two whales. That's true. I think the geek system is constructing new processing plants um for humans yeah i guess yeah it, it must it must be yeah but uh anyway wonder woman and batman and the super uh intern people are trying to get back in they tried to talk to the robot uh and it didn't work his ears are microphones but uh alas when he tried to get the message to professor goodfellow it came out garbled. And it was a a baseball game. They can't get in. Yeah, and then Goodfellow tries to take a nap, <laughs> right? Or takes a nap. Yeah, which is uh, just a you know, I guess to put him out of commission. But at one point, because you asked this question, and I believe Robin asks the very same question as they're trying to get in. Why don't we call Superman? That, uh, what, yeah, what, what we have a friend who can fly and is stronger than these robots. We should call that person. The implication, and this is the the real weakness of Superman, is that, um, and you know, Kevin Spacey's uh, what's his face, uh, Lex Luthor Lex points Luthor? this out that uh, if if there's even a chance that an innocent person could get hurt, Superman has to go do it. Uh, the fact is that wrecking ball could hit uh, any baby that's near a wrecking ball, and he True. can't he can't take the chance. So he the you know his his compassion is uh, is his weakness. 
that is the logic. I think he just doesn't want to. I don't think he likes them. And I think that he doesn't want to hang out with them. So uh, he distances yeah. himself where he can. Either way, this leads to my next favorite part, which um, the person that figures out a way into this uh, complex is not Batman. It is the goddamn dog. The dog realizes he can simply dig under the fence. After the dog gets yeah. in, Batman continues to use failed uh, plans to get it. They're trying yeah. to they're, they're trying to catapult Wonder Woman in there. It's crazy that like at this point, Batman. I don't think in the series Batman has not done anything that's like shows him as having value. He is either taking credit for someone else's ideas or actively ignored good ideas because he doesn't want to acknowledge the value of the person or being who came up with it. In this case, Wonder Dog. Correct. The most the most he's done is offered rides in his car, to which they responded with absolutely not. For the most part. Yeah. We do not want to ride in your stupid bat car. There was a part where someone said they ended the sentence by saying, right but uh there was a typo in my subtitles and it said rigget r-i-g-u-t rigget but when i listened to it the person did it did kind of sound like he said rigget so if you're watching this episode look for that rigget it happened soon after uh they we learned that the dog is smarter than batman uh we're not even getting to the most outrageous part of this which is the introduction of plastic man I had no idea that Plastic oh. Man... I thought Plastic Man was an 80s thing. I didn't realize that. Oh, no. Plastic Man is from the, the right era. But, yeah. They just bring him in and then don't bring him back. Because I don't even think he's on later seasons. Yeah, this was... we. I, I had... They, they make it seem like these superheroes are the only superheroes. If that's the case, why isn't Plastic Man hanging out with them? You know what I mean? Like, right? Plastic Man should be a part of this. But anyway. I will say, before they call uh, Plastic Man, they they finally get through to Goodfellow, who agrees to shut it down, but he can't. Because there's the satellite with kryptonite that Ah, powers everything. That's right. What a non-nefarious way to set this shit up. Right. But Superman realizes he's still the only one who can do it. And so, before going off to possible death, Superman's last words to the Super Friends are, stay loose. <laughs> you know, the way, the way they used to talk back Is that or- Stay loose, guys. <laughs> About to go deal with the only thing that can kill me in space. Keep it, keep it, uh, slacked. Uh, I, uh, didn't, I don't, I didn't notice that. So that is a good moment. Anyway, he, he has to go do the, he has to go, uh, get the kill switch. Oh, the mouse, getting the mouse out allows them to free the satellite, which has the kill switch, right? Yeah. So Plastic Man, uh, with great care not to kill, uh, this mouse, which as we've established, this system is slaughtering uh, thousands of animals and oh yeah and probably people mind right? you yeah and mind you this system was about to cut up a dog with a lawnmower it was about to yeah. cut up a dog into pieces and uh 
they made real and and suddenly well i guess it can't get to it because it's in a little compartment but uh they they we want to make sure not to hurt this mouse we can't pump any toxic gas in there can't call an exterminator plastic man has to touch it uh so plastic man touches the mouse he extracts it the other thing about the mouse uh is that it looks like a different animation style than everything else to me it does it looks yeah. It looks like it. It looks like it belongs with like it's like it looks like Frosty the Snowman that animation yeah, style for sure. That yeah, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I think you're right. Uh, I, I didn't like that one bit. I think animation needs to look the same. Wendy keeps the mouse as a pet. Yeah, I wrote get over the mouse. Get over that. The, the mouse is done. Get it out of there. So again, if you've ever had mice, they're disgusting. They smell bad. They shit all over your kitchen or wherever they are. Yeah. They're disgusting, disgusting creatures. <laughs> Why would you keep it? Why the, would, it's gross, it was Wendy. Cute. I will say this. I will say this. Uh I had a pet rat and uh pet rats are awesome. I can't say enough good things about having a pet rat. Maybe. I will say if I've ever had a rat in my apartment, I would burn the building down. Even a pet? If I if we ever had rats, no, no, no. I, pet rats, whatever. I mean, like, oh, if, if there I was had a rat rat infestation, yeah, I would burn the building down. I think it is creepy. I, I lived in a I lived in a place that um, there was a a hole in the drywall that exposed the inside of the house, so it was essentially a way for uh, large rodents to get in. And I never saw any infestation, but I remember one time I was walking past the living room and I looked inside and I full on saw like a rat doing like, it was was either a rat or a squirrel doing reconnaissance. And it was very unsettling having a rat there. I I don't like it. But I will say I had, I mean, I had a rat and you could, I mean, I was able to train it. It was affectionate. Um, It was... You know, it was clean, like it cleaned itself. Now, when we talk about animals cleaning itself, they're spitting on their hands and covering themselves. But the yeah. point I'm point I'm so making they're actually it, making themselves more disgusting. Point I'm the point I'm making is that yeah, he was putting in an effort anyway. So this is just me saying yes. I don't know if mice are great pets, but uh, I had a rat and it was awesome. Either way, she keeps a mouse because she's gross, and um, they, I guess. Professor Goodfellow makes a apparent change of heart. He yes. He decides that you know everyone. It, it turns out that hard work is really important uh, to keep everyone. People well can't balanced. be happy without something to do, is what he says. <laughs> but also, they mention how families were getting on each other's nerves. Like they make a point of saying how. Hey, all this time together has made people really miserable. People, <laughs> families do not like spending time together. Yeah, and and also, as you say before, it wasn't they could still do anything that they wanted. Like they could they could do anything. The point is doing stuff that they don't want is what makes people dull. Like the message of this yeah. is: Do you have to do stuff that you don't want to do? If you don't do that, you're going to be a bad person. I feel like 
the ghosts of Andrew Carnegie and John D. Rockefeller wrote this episode. Undoubtedly. Yes, people must toil. He, Yeah, uh, they were influencing the writing team, no doubt. This, uh, again, leads us to the end of our of our episode. Uh, I think, again, the character of Mr. Huggins was completely unnecessary. I, why, he, he showed up, he showed up throughout the entire thing. And I think we end with Mr. Huggins in the hall of justice, right? Yeah. And Wendy has made lunch for everyone. Again, now, going back to the gender norms, this now, episode is really into it specifically, they say, and they are all eating a lunch, uh, prepared by Wendy, uh, because she has fully bought into the, uh, she now more than ever has uh, bought into the idea that her place is making food for men. Yep, and Wonder Woman, <laughs> and and at the end they call Wonder Dog a Wonder Geek, and everyone laughs. <laughs> there, uh, so the level of um, bullying and negativity in this uh, series in this episode was uh, it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah. Well, especially because they are going outside of the group to bully. They're calling strangers fat. Yeah. Uh, so, some some morals that we learned from the story. First and foremost, kids. If, or anyone, really, if there's a van that looks too good to be true, it's not. Get in that van. <laughs> Go. Get in. It turns out that... It, it, they really do have candy and everything you like. It turns out it, it works. Uh, that's a, a a joke. Please, uh, I, I don't. I hope no kids are listening to this podcast. If they are, stop listening to this and uh, uh, and don't don't get in vans. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, clearly, it's a, a terrible thing to do. The other moral of this episode is the only thing that gives your life meaning is endless toil. Endless toil. Work is the only meaningful part of anyone's life. If if humanity is left to its own devices and is free to seek what they want, uh, what they want will always be self-destructive behavior, never anything constructive, and um, it will make you not attractive. Yeah, it's it's so it's so tricky because there's uh there's so much in this episode sent like that. Give such give me such an understanding of the the troubles that we're in now as a society. Yeah, of you know where it's like, all right, well, the people that used to watch this, they're you know in charge now, and they have this in the back of their mind, where it's like, you know, this idea that oh, if you're fat, not just that it's unhealthy, not just that it is um, ugly. You're a weak person. You're a bad person. Yeah. There you're, it is immoral. It is immoral to be fat. Yeah. The it is fascinating to me cuz growing up in the United States, you don't necessarily notice the very prevalent pro-capitalist propaganda that is everywhere. Yeah. Watching this Later on in life and know, like knowing that that propaganda exists and knowing that we've been indoctrinated, 
this is this is a bracing episode for sure. It really helped give everything perspective uh, and uh, help me really trace everything uh, back. Uh, and at the same time, it made me feel bad about myself for being such a soft, uh, fat, uh, lazy weirdo. So it works, you know? Yeah. You used to be called Slim. Everyone used to call you Slim. They did. And uh, Back when you ran a service station. I, I did. I gave people service with their uh, gas. Well, it, it sounds like we need to get to the, the ratings um, because we've said all we can say about this. All, all I really would say, my rating for this one is difficult because it uh, it was extremely entertaining uh, and at the same time, extremely problematic. There, this episode had my first actual laugh, the, my, my first genuine laugh. It, ha- it, it included uh, a new superhero, which I always like. I always like seeing the world, the universe yeah. expanded. And it was, you know, it, it had horrifying cultural implications. But at the same time, I can't reward the message because clearly I think the message is wrong. So I have to give this one two and a half cheese sandwiches. That is my rating. For me, it, you're right. It is, it's a real struggle between how fascinating and ultimately watchable this episode is. But also how terrible so much of it is. So I'm going to give this three Professor Goodfellows Funmobiles out of seven. Three? Okay, all right. So out of seven Funmobiles. I'm about to say, I thought you were going to say three out of five Funmobiles. And it's like, Michael, that's a lot of Funmobiles. But if if it's out of seven, that's essentially the same rating I gave it. It's it's a little lower. Well, either way, we encu- we encourage everyone to check it out, and we encourage everyone not to get fat, uh, because that's how you know you're a bad person. It's gross and bad. You gotta keep your muscles toned. Toned. And your body fat percentage under eight. Under eight. And you have to, just like Batman, who was outsmarted by a dog that uh, got- Not just Batman- the combined intellect <laughs> of Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman is less than that of Wonder Dog. Of Wonder Dog. He uh, is the smartest one there uh, for digging under the tunnel. So, we did this last time. How would you end this episode in a single act? Well, in, in a single act, so uh, when we first see them, uh, they, uh, they've discovered that... Uh, the machines are running themselves when they go to the factory for the first time i would have them ask the question of um how does food work because if they figured out how food worked and they learned about the slaughterhouses the automated slaughterhouses and they learned about the uh automated dairy farms they would be horrified i think much quicker now i don't know that it's entirely possible that they would just shrug and go, yep, that's how sausage works. But I think that once they ask about food, they would learn, oh, uh, he has more nefarious motives in mind. How would you end it? I would, once they find out about the van that he sent out to 
Wendy Marvin to minors Wonder Dog, they'd be like, "Oh, that's that's real creepy guy," and then they would look a little further into the fact that he has definitely tapped into power grids yeah. and machinery that he has no authority to access. They would arrest him almost immediately. It- he has broke. He has to have broken so many laws to just implement this. Before telling anyone. Now, I agree. But also, it's probably a felony to try to send a car to escort minors somewhere, correct? I I would think so. That has to be a felony. Fa- so, he's already committed a crime. Yeah, that's an attempted kidnapping. Yeah. he He's already a, uh, uh, a criminal. But, uh, yeah. yes, of course, the level of infrastructure... Uh, means that he has committed untold crimes and can be thrown in jail right away. Uh, I think, I wonder, do the Justice League have their own jail or do they rely on the jails of the government, that system? I think they rely on the jails of the government. Mm. But just to be safe, I'd put them in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, you can't. you can never be too safe. Uh, I say... Go ahead and use use the Phantom Zone, even when you're you think that you might not need to use it. Go ahead and do it. Just do it. Get him in the better, Phantom Zone. Better safe than sorry. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. I want to thank thank you, Michael, for taking this journey with me of the uh, Geek System. Thank you, anyone who's watching or who's listening to this uh, or watching your device as the thing is playing. Uh, I'm really excited about this next week episode. Hopefully, it will have. Just as many terrible uh, capitalist overtones that uh, will help us all feel bad about ourselves. You can only hope. But just remember, listeners, you live to work unless you're a woman, in which case you live to shop and make lunch for your male colleagues. I think it's important to remember all of that. Yeah. Is that is that our new catchphrase that we end this with? <laughs> I think it I mean, I think we can probably edit it down. It's a little wordy. Yeah. But I think we can make that our slogan. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. Till next week, everybody. Bye. <laughs>